Hi, you're now listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. We're happy to bring you sermons like this one every week. You can find other sermons at our site at harvest-community.org. So without further ado, here's our speaker. All good? All right, if you could hear me, say amen. Amen. I do want to let you know, uh, everyone who's maskless up here, we did take a rapid test uh, this morning and are all negative. I just want to let you know that we're in a two-week series, a mini-series called The Space Between. Everybody say The Space Between. The Space Between. If you weren't with us last week, this, there's a phrase uh, that describes the space between in theological, psychological, and architectural circles called liminal space. Liminal space. For example, liminal space here might be the time you enter into the doors to the time where you actually sit down. Or in a hotel, it could be that main entrance, and the liminal space is the lobby or the hallways before you actually get to your guest room. Another example of liminal space is when you lift up a prayer and you're waiting for God to answer it. Last year, my, my family got COVID, and we got hit during that Delta season. Everybody remember the Delta, man? The Delta was intense. Now it's Omicron, and the names just keep getting scarier and scarier, right? Next, it's going to be Decepticon. It's going to be Optimus Prime. I don't know where the creativity is coming from. But anyway, when we got COVID, I had it the worst in my family. And I had to go to the hospital, actually. And there was one point where I was actually coughing blood, and it was so scary. And I remember going into the quarantine. It actually lasts. I, I didn't get to work for actually 30 days, for one whole month. I know usually quarantine, during that time, it was like 10 days. But I couldn't work for a whole month because I was so fatigued. And I remember many, actually, before we even attended Harvest, many of you all uh, prayed for us and actually sent us food. So thank you for that. We are so grateful. An example of liminal space is like that time where you enter into quarantine. It starts then. And there's the recovery process. Oh, oh, today is a lot of spiritual warfare today. A lot of spiritual warfare. Thank you, thank you. It's a good sign when these things happen. It's a good sign. So liminal space, liminal space. It's those spaces of waiting. It's those spaces of waiting. It's those spaces of walking before you get to sit down. There are times also, last week I talked about a liminal space at the airport where you get to sit down. But there's also times just like this picture where there's nowhere to sit down. And actually all around you is dark and it's scary. You know, if, before we go into the message... Uh, I, I have these phrases that I've been sharing with you all. And I believe these phrases are three things that we need to hold on to every single time we go through a liminal space. So if you're a Christ follower, please repeat after me. Say this. Say, I am a child of God. I am loved by God. And I am the light of the world. Amen. We're going to look at a portion of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' most famous sermon. And we're going to look at Matthew chapter 7. And this is actually the part of 
his sermon where it's the final words. It's the final words. And if you've ever heard someone who communicates from stage or a preacher, we all know that it's the first words that are really important and the final words. And I wanted to go to a passage today that really represented what Jesus was trying to say about the kingdom of God. This is what Jesus says at the end of the Sermon on the Mount and its description of faith. So turn with me to Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 through 29. The word of God says this. It says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. And it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. Amen. Can we pray again? Uh, Heavenly Father, we come to you right now, God, asking for a genuine encounter with you and your word. God, I pray that you would bring revival to the different parts of our lives that are hurting. And I pray that we would see you, God, see the things of you, but most importantly, see you in the scripture. We love you. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you at this time. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. Again, we're in a series called The Space Between, and today the title of my message is Between Grief and Glory. I have a question for you all this morning, and the question is this. What do you do when life hits you hard? just like the storm we just saw in the scripture. What do you do when your business partner betrays you? What do you do when your loved one's health actually doesn't get better? And they still get sick, and maybe even some pass away. I'm going to be very real for a moment. And you may think of this question as very unspiritual, but it's something that I think we can all relate with. And that's this. What do you do when you're even disappointed in God? Where we feel as though he didn't come through on his promise. What do you do when it hurts? when we feel as though we are truly not loved like the way that the scripture teaches us. We feel like we've done all the right holy things. We've gone to community group. We haven't missed a Sunday in a long time. And we feel like God disappointed us. And we still find ourselves losing something and are now in disappointment. I'll be honest, this is a message that I have been wrestling with God for the past two years. And this is actually the first message I'm, I wrote from scratch in a long time. 
If you're here today, and that is you who's wrestling with these questions, you are not here by accident. And I truly believe that God wants to take you into a deeper relationship with him. Between grief and glory. These are the moments of grief. What do, what do I mean when I say that word grief? What do you think of when you hear the word grief? Oftentimes we see it understood as someone passing away in your life. But the reality is over the past few years, we have all experienced anxiety like what we talked about last week. But we have also experienced grief without even realizing it. Grief is a response to loss. It's a feeling of sorrow and deep hurt. And grief is one of the most difficult liminal spaces you can go through. It's not limited to someone just passing away and going to their funeral. It's realizing that things have changed. Maybe for some of you, you're grieving a relationship. During this pandemic, it's challenged all relationships. Maybe for you and your marriage, it was the first time that word divorce came up in a conversation. Maybe for some others, you're still going through a tough time with your child, having a difficult time connecting, communicating, and loving. God has tested all of our marriages and relationships, sibling relationships, the past few years, and it's been tough. Or maybe for you, you're single. A lot of us that are married, we don't really empathize with the singles during the pandemic, but man, it's been hard for them. You know how hard it is to meet somebody during a pandemic? Oh my goodness. Before, you could just go on a date, right? A blind date. I know we have apps and things like that. You could meet people at a restaurant or wherever it may be, but everywhere is limited. Imagine all of the options are now down to just a few. And it's difficult. The staff and I, we were watching a video from 2017, this past meeting, and there was laughter because it was an enjoyable moment of seeing the memories of the past. But at the same time, I, I could sense there was a moment of grief in the staff. Like, man, I remember when we worshipped like that and when some people were still here and are now gone. There was a moment of grief. Some of us are grieving something simple as going to the grocery store and seeing the prices go up. Surprise, surprise, right? The dollar store, it's now a $1.25 store. I was grieving that last week. Some of us, our children, are growing up with new pressures, new anxiety, and things that psychologists don't even have a word for yet. And we're grieving that. There are changes happening all around, and when change occurs, there's a sense of pain, and there's a sense of hurt. And whenever there's a sense of hurt, we need to understand that we are experiencing moments of grief. Some signs of grieving, if you are not aware, is this. It's lack of sleep, lack of appetite, numbness sometimes even compassion fatigue. For those serving, maybe there was a moment where you were like, man, I don't want to do this anymore. And that could be a, a form of you actually grieving, a symptom. The psalmist wrote so many moments of grief 
In Psalm 22, 14, it says, My life is poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax melting within me. In our main passage, we find two builders. And both of the builders experience pain. And today I want to narrow in on the pain of grief. What can we learn from the builder who built his house on the rock versus the one who built his house on the sand? And here's the reality. The reality before we dive into more of what happened to them is right from the get-go, the scripture teaches us is that they both heard the words of mine, which was the words of Jesus. They both heard it. But one was not just a hearer of the word. He was also a doer of the word, just like what Eugene just mentioned. And then the other one was just a hearer. They just listened to the words. Both houses heard, or both builders heard, and then both houses got hit with certain things. And I was looking at the different elements of what hit the houses. And some of them are obvious, but others are not. So we're going to take a look real quick at the different elements that hit and how it symbolizes many times of this area called grief. The very first thing that they were hit with was rain. Everybody say rain. Rain. They both had in common rain. Raise your hand if you like rain. Okay, some of us do, yes. But more often than not, what do we hear? We hear phrases like, oh, it's raining. Or we hear things like, Rain, rain, go away. Come again, another day. Or we use symbolism like make sure you save money for a, for a rainy day. In movies, there's that drama scene, and it's raining. And it often depicts a sense of sadness. And the way that they use colors is just like this image. There's a sense of sorrow just even by the symbolism of colors. I want to let you know that there's five common stages of grief. And the thing about grief is it's learned that it's not linear. It doesn't go like this. We're in the first stage. We're in the second stage. We're in the third. We're in the fourth or fifth. It doesn't happen like that. When it comes to grief, it could be like we're in the first stage, and then we go to the fourth stage, and then we go to the second stage, and then we go back to the first stage. These stages are denial, acting like it never happened. Number two is anger. You get angry, and and you just become mad and start projecting on other things. The third is bargaining, going back and forth. God, if I do this, will you do that? Or even going back, should I go back to that relationship, or should I stay over here? And then there's depression, that form of sadness, and then eventually acceptance. And rain, I would say, is a form of depression and symbolism in the scripture that we Red. In different seasons of my life, though, I've learned to appreciate rain in different moments. And if we build our house on the rock, on the cornerstone of Jesus Christ, we can see that there are many purposes of rain. It doesn't just hurt, but there's actually a purpose of it. I remember when I first started driving, and I would often place my hand out the window, and I would go like this, let the wind just let it wave, right? I would do it to practice because I'm a dancer, and I would just keep going. And I would feel the rain just on my skin, and it was an incredible sensation, right? Even though I was getting wet, there was this moment of intimacy with nature. 
I was a bike tour guide in Chicago for a couple years. I would give people tours from all over the world and have 20 people follow me in the streets of Chicago. And I remember on the very hot days, there would be quick rain showers. And it gave me a sense of relief. It changed the temperature of the whole city. And we were able to cool down for a moment. Two years ago, I started gardening. And in the spring and in the summer, I'm now grateful for the rain because I don't have to bring my hose out there. I could see the cucumbers start to form, right? I could give the kale to my rabbit, right? I could go see my chickens, let them out, and eat all the worms running around. You know, rain makes us uncomfortable. But I want to remind you that within rain is a source of life. Within rain is water. What if the grief and the hurts you're going through was actually intended for you to grow, just like the plants. I would say, God, let it rain then. Let it rain. What if the rain in your life that's pouring down was actually intended to photosynthesize? You know, right before this, Jesus actually mentions the rain in Matthew chapter 5. And this is what he says. He says, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies And pray for those who persecute you, that you may be the children of your Father in heaven. He causes his Son to rise on the evil and the good. And then this is what Jesus says about rain in the same Sermon on the Mount earlier. He says, God sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. And if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? What am I trying to say? I'm trying to say that don't try to stop the rain. It's coming whether you like it or not. It's coming whether you built your house on the rock or built it on the sand. It's coming. But the way that we respond to the rain and the way that we see the rain is very important. There's purpose behind the rain, and the purpose is for your growth. So everybody say rain. The next thing that we see in the scripture is that the rain hit the, the house and then we see that the streams rose. It began to flood. The floods are the times in our lives where you feel overwhelmed. Look at this picture. It's just risen. At this level, it's probably up to your chin or even over your head. Where we feel overwhelmed with the grief that we have lost something in the past. And now everything that we look at isn't the same thing that we used to see. You can't even seem to find your step because you can't even see it. You can't see where your feet are moving. Floods, they can be devastating. They can move incredible large items like a car and just let it float and move it. They can turn a field into a lake. And at first impression, a flood brings chaos. But eventually, God is doing something. And as things begin to settle, nature teaches us, this is what I was learning about floods, is that floods are actually very important. They allow nutrients that were in one place to go to a place that was totally different. They allow wildlife to not just stay stuck in one area, but to actually spread. A flood has a purpose. My family chose a word for the year as we started the year off with choosing a word, and that word was renewed. 
And we chose that word because of the scripture that's been on our hearts, Isaiah 43:19. It says, "Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and a path and a river in the desert." Guys, floods allow things to float to the surface. It allows things to be renewed. It allows things to that were once hidden to come to the surface. And the problem with that sometimes is what we find rise to the surface is not something that we always want. But without it, it wouldn't have been exposed in the way that it did. You know, the past few years, I've seen many people grieving without even realizing it because of certain sins that have been exposed in our communities, in our families, and in our own lives. And one of the things that has been exposed, unfortunately, is many churches and many places like faith. And I don't even have to name the churches right now for you to know what I'm talking about. There are many, many ministries where sins have risen to the surface. All places, I'll be honest, there's many places where I regarded heroes of faith and my heart has been crushed with certain realities. I'm going to share a story, and I'm sharing this story as just my story. Um, I am a a director of a a large conference called Joshua Generation, also known as JGen. And I'm going to share my personal story. Um, I'm not speaking on behalf of the organization right now. If you want to see that statement, Um, From the organization, you could find that online uh, with my name on it. But I want to give you a story of something that happened recently, not too long ago, uh, that I have been grieving. Uh, In 2019, we got together, and we had a celebration. I was part of the admin for many years, and... Uh, I was given the the huge privilege to step in as a director of JGen, which serves over 100 churches every year. And even during the pandemic, during our live streaming, we were able to spread the gospel to 12 different countries. And in that moment, when I was first being introduced for the first time as a director, it was a moment of celebration. It was a moment of celebration because... I was just so honored. I was so honored. But in that same meeting where I had the honor of accepting that position, I was given the news that one of our main speakers for over 20 years was exposed with a sin that is the same type of sin that was committed against my wife from another man. In that same moment of celebration was a moment where I felt extremely overwhelmed. Hey, welcome. You're the new director. Now let me tell you what just happened. Oh, my goodness. I felt the floods rising to my neck because I understood the influence that this ministry had on so many youth, generations even before me, and generations that will come after me. And I was flooded with grief. I was hurt. 
I was heartbroken. I was crushed that a hero in the community that so many trusted had committed this sin that broke trust, not just in him, but in every organization of faith and every person who gets to preach the word of God. I was grieving. And even now I'm grieving certain friendships that had to be cut off because of what happened. You know, when this happens, there's a process of grief that needs to happen because there's a sense of loss. And just like a flood, what you see right now is not what it looks like in the past. You know, I recognize that many need to hear what I'm about to say. And as a church leader, I want to say something that you may never hear from the leaders that have broken your heart. And I just want to say, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry that you trusted in someone who carried spiritual influence and they broke your heart. I am so sorry. And it's heavy on my heart because it even hurts me still. You know, as I shed a tear that I was not trying to do today, I recognize, as I've witnessed many people shed many tears the past few years because of what has been exposed in different communities, is that when that happens, we are grieving. We are grieving. There's something beautiful about tears, though. Harvard University had this research done. And they said this. It said, it's the third category, emotional tears. Emotional tears flush stress hormones and other toxins out of your system that potentially offers the most health benefits. Researchers have established that crying releases oxytocin, also known as endorphins. There is be a purpose behind your tears. There is a purpose behind that rain coming from your body. Actually, in Psalms 42.3, it says, My tears have been food day and night, while they say to me all the day long, Where is your God? My family likes to call tears liquid prayers. Liquid prayers. Because there is, they are the prayers that are expressed in ways that no words can. They are a form of communication of a deep hurt in our souls. One of the most encouraging Bible verses for me this past few years is the simple scripture, Jesus wept. And the reason why it encourages me is because Jesus understands the depths of our pain. And he understands our grief. I've been learning about the word and lately. Everybody say and. And it's such a simple word, but has the power to change a whole thought process if it's used correctly. I'm going to say this. It is possible for God to allow something destructive occur, and also bring healing and new life. Many times we think that it's just an or. 
that God brings destructive things to our lives or he brings healing. But no, there are times in our life where he brings both. He brings grief and revival. Grief and renewal. You could be happy and also sad, just like the moment we were watching that video from 2009 or 17 at Harvest. He can do both at the same time. And when you are the one who is building your house on the rock of Jesus Christ, you will see that it is possible, that it is for your good and for God's glory. Amen? The Bible says, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. Sometimes those dark places are not just dark, but maybe it's just in the shadow of God. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress in my God in whom I trust. They both heard the word of God, but only one actually trusted in it. For floods, though, guys, I want to encourage you and remind you that it takes time for water to lower. And in the same way, it takes time for grief to subside. With all of us, many times, we don't even realize how much grief we are going through. My whole life, I only heard about how amazing Hawaii was. Raise your hand if you've been there. Raise your hand if you lived there. Oh, my goodness. I would always hear for a long time, about Hawaii, just like the builder would hear probably about the words of God. I would hear how amazing it was. So a few years back, I started saving to surprise my wife for a trip to Hawaii. It took a long time, way too long, I think. And on her birthday this past year, I secretly uh, showed her a bunch of cash that I hid in the house. And she was like, oh, my gosh, where did all this money come from? (laughs) And I was like, I saved up to take you to Hawaii. We always heard how good it was. We heard about those spamasubis. We heard about that sunshine. But it was different hearing about it than actually stepping off the plane and saying, I'm in Hawaii. I think that's how our faith is. We may hear how good it is to trust in the Lord, but it will not hit you until you actually trust in the Lord in times of a storm. We went this past November, and every time we get sad, I'll be honest, I was like, remember that time we went to Hawaii? And instantly, just even the thought of being there brought joy to our hearts. I want to encourage you, if you are a Christ follower, think of the times you have had intimate encounters with God, especially during times of grief. Because there will be times of grief where you are sad, but if you trust in God, it will be times of grief and remembering how good God is. In a flood, I told you it spreads nutrients all across the land. The Bible says that we are to taste and see the goodness of God. Did you know that your life is like a tree? And your life has different fruits coming out of it. And in your life, you can be a blessing to others by allowing them to take a bite of the fruit coming off of your tree. You can be extension of that grace living in you. 
and that people can actually taste and see the goodness of God through the things that you do in your life and the way that you respond to grace in your life and grief in your life. My encouragement to you, church, is to allow the flood, spread the nutrients, but keep your faith seated in the rock of Christ. Amen? So I want to ask, what are you grieving right now? What are you grieving? So the first thing we see, the element, is the rain. Then we see the element of the floods. The next element is the wind. Matthew 7, 25, it says, The rain came down, the streams rose, and it says something. It says, The winds blew and beat against that house. It beat against the house. Sometimes in life, things are going to hit us hard, real hard. And wind is interesting. You can't see it. You can't even see it coming towards you. You can't dodge it. The only thing you can do is you can feel it. When it comes to grief, sometimes we just have to feel our sadness. Sometimes we just have to allow it to hit us. Sometimes in the grieving process, you just have to let it hurt. But I want to encourage you and say, don't let it keep you there forever. Actually, the purpose of winds is actually to move a storm along. It's not just to stay in it, but the purpose is actually so that it's not forever. The purpose of wind is to keep pushing it and allow that storm to be temporary. My friends were hit with a huge wind on their homes of their hearts last month. They were hit by a surprise wind that came out of nowhere. Last month, while many were celebrating the new year, my wife and I were given a tough task. One night, we began receiving text messages from some loved ones, some close friends, to pray in agreement that their baby wouldn't come too early because they were in another country. And they didn't want him to come too early. They were away from family, away from friends, away from their doctor, and everything that they saw, smelt, experienced was far from home. And we were praying, God, take care of them. Don't let the baby come too soon. And even after many prayers, my wife and I were eventually given the task to plan this baby's funeral. The baby was born but only lived for one hour. What do you say when it doesn't just rain, when it doesn't just flood, but the winds beat your house? What do you do when on the same day you're buying furniture for your son's room becomes the same day that you realize that he will never sleep in that room? What do you do when your house is getting rocked? They came back. We met with them. And my wife led the funeral and I helped. And when we walked into the room, the casket was about the size of this screen that's in front of me right now. Even the flowers were bigger than the casket. But here's the beautiful thing. They kept their faith in God. 
they held on to God in ways that they wouldn't have held on to him otherwise. At the funeral, my wife reminded us that we celebrated this baby's life, but we also grieved because it was way too short. He lived for one hour, but we were reminded that that hour was full of love. And when that baby came into the world, he was welcomed by his parents. And after one hour, he was welcomed by Jesus. The uncle of the baby said this. He said, man, he must have been so great that Jesus wanted to see him so soon. Why do I share this story? I share this because when we hold on to the rock of Christ, there is more to the story. The storm will one day end. There's two builders, and for the one who trusts in God, the storm does not have the last say. Forgive me, it's been a hard, hard past few years. The storm does not have the last say. It may feel like it, but let's remember what Jesus said at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. He said, blessed are those who are poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. That was the baby. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. That is the parents. Blessed are those who are meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be healed when you see a scandal happen. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Someone needs to hear this today. Your story is not over. Your story is not over. There is more to the story, and it doesn't have to end there. I'm going to quickly end with a final story. I know my time is wrapping up, but there was a, I heard a story once about a child and his father. And they were driving in the car. And while they were driving in the car, on the highway, a bee flew into the window. And if you've ever been in that situation, it's terrifying. It is so scary. He said, Daddy, there's a bee in the car. I'm going to die. Daddy, help me. What do I do? The father opens the window. And if you know, if you're driving, you open the window, a bee's in the car. It's going to keep it in the car. The wind's going to blow. Daddy, it's not working. I'm going to die. The bee's here. So he pulls over. He looks around. His father, he's a G. He catches that bee, real gangster style. And he's like, ah, Dad, you got it. But then in the next moment, he opens his hand, and the bee flies again. And he goes, Daddy, I thought you killed it. I'm going to die. And then he looked at his son, and he said this. He said, son, that bee is only buzzing now. It will not sting you because it already stung me. If you know about bees, when a bee stings you once, it's going to die because the stinger stays in that person. And he said, son, you don't have to worry about that bee anymore because I took the sting of that bee. Guys, I want to remind you today that what Christ did on the cross, 
because of what he did and because of the resurrection, we can now say death has lost its sting. We can now say that that storm in your life will eventually be over. And that there will be a time where we go through grief, maybe our whole lives, but a moment where we come face to face with glory in a glorified body, just like that child who only lived for one hour. There will be a day when the storms of sin are diminished. There will be a day when we get to come face to face with Jesus and truly see that he is the rock on which we stand. So I encourage you today, build your faith on the rock of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. God, some of us are going through grief right now. Actually, God, some of us have been going through grief and not even realizing it. And God, we look to you in this moment. I pray that we would be like the wise builder, the one who continues to build on the rock. Forgive us for the many times we have built our house on the sand. God, I pray that if there's some of us in this room that have been building on the sand, God, I pray that they would return to you and see that that will not last. It is only temporary. Eventually, it comes crashing down. God, forgive us. Lord, we turn to you again. We repent, God. Forgive us for pointing even the finger at you in our disappointment when you have always been faithful. Remind us of the times now where you have been faithful, God. Uh, before we sing, let's just take a moment to just sit. Sometimes my child just sits in my lap when they're crying and when they're hurting. And sitting in their father's lap is enough. So before we even sing, man, let's just sit in the presence of God and imagine the comfort of our good God the one who took the sting of death for us and is faithful. So you don't even have to pray right now. I just encourage you just to sit and reflect on his goodness. Thanks for listening to the sermon from Harvest Community Church. If you would like more information or have any questions or comments, check out our website at harvest-community.org. Thanks for listening.